0: You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. Today's sponsor is actually my own holiday gift guide, which you all must check out at zibbyowens.com slash gift shop, zibbyowens.com slash gift shop. I have so many amazing things organized by all the things moms don't have time to do, like eat, sleep, work out. I don't know. There are 10 different categories, and they're amazing. And read. There's so many reading gifts and writing gifts. Um, my daughter's here with me today, and I was asking her some of her favorites from my list. What do you think? A Hydro Flask. And uh, you loved all the sugary treats, right? Oh, yeah. Anything with candy. Like Sugar Wish and Nini's Treats. I love Nini's Treats. Um, and the Function of Beauty Shampoos. Oh, I, love I heard about them through you. So Function of and Beauty the Shampoos. And thing I saw. Dylan's Candy Bar. Amazing. Um, So go check it out. We have discount codes for almost everything at this point, and some are still pending, but go to zibbyowens.com slash gift shop and get some great gifts for the people you love and pick up a few for yourself. Why not stop into the gift shop? I really enjoyed getting to know Sarah Gelman. Sarah was named after the book her father was reading when she was born. Sarah was destined to be a reader and has spent her career recommending books to readers. She worked at a New York publishing house and was a publicist to many great authors, eventually joining Amazon, where she is currently the director of Amazon Books Editorial. Sarah has appeared on Good Morning America, Access Daily, and has contributed to TheBump.com, in addition to hosting Amazon Live conversations with Mindy Kalig, Chelsea Clinton, Jay Shetty, Ellen Hildebrand, and many more. Sarah also regularly writes and curates book selections for the Amazon Book Review and especially loves books women's fiction, memoirs, cookbooks, home design, organizational books, parenting books, and a good multi-generational family saga. I talked to Sarah today about the best books of 2020. All right. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks so much for doing this special webinar, Facebook, podcast, triple threat. (laughs) I'm so
1: excited. I feel like I personally can talk about books for forever, and I feel like you can too. So the fact we only have thirty minutes is very dangerous.
0: <laughs> I know. I'm like, there's so much I could talk to you about. It's ridiculous. Your whole background, everything. But today is like such an exciting day for Amazon to come out with their best books of 2020, and I've gone through every category, and it's so exciting. And there were so many books that I had on my podcast, so I'm feeling like really excited about that. <laughs> uh-huh. So wait, start by just tell me a little bit about like your role in Amazon and also how this whole best books came to be and how you decide on these best books. Yeah. So many things
1: to unpack. So my role at Amazon, to take a step back, I've been at Amazon for 11 years and I came to Amazon. I moved from New York where I worked at Random House. It was just Random House then, no Penguin. And I have just been a passionate reader my whole life. I feel so lucky that this is what I get to do for my job, and I've always gotten to do it. I guess if I, when my kids are college age, maybe I wouldn't say be an English major, but it has worked out for me. So that's been great. (laughs) Um, And so at Amazon, I, I have been on the PR side for a long time, but I've always worked with the books org. And even when I was working with different orgs, I was always working with books and with the editorial team there. And about a year and a half ago, I came back from my last maternity leave, last in a lot of different ways, and <laughs> I was approached about this job to lead the books editorial team, which is a team that i worked with for 11 years and I admire and I always felt like they were my people and it, it's really just sort of a dream and we're a team of passionate readers. There are six editors and myself and we all have different backgrounds in the business, anything from... One editor is an author herself. Someone is an editor from Random House. We used to work together way back. There are people that have worked at different booksellers, people on the sales side. And we all basically are bringing our own background in books and our own expertise and genre knowledge to this team. And we come up with a list every month called the best books of the month. And we're reading, right now, we're reading for February 2020. So we read a few months in advance. And we're reading books that publishers and independent authors present to us. And we all read in different genres. And then once we find something we love, we have someone else read it. Occasionally, there's a book we all read because we're so excited about it. And we come up with a list of our top 10 books every month. This year, very rarely, we come up with the top 12 when we can't decide on just 10. (laughs) This year, we've had five months of top 12, which is the most top 12s we've ever had. And it made choosing the best books of the year that much harder because there were more top 10 books to look at. But we're doing best books, so top 10 or 12 every month, and then top books in every different category. So everything from all the different ages for children, zero to two, three to five, on up to young adult. We also look at cooking food and wine, literature and fiction, mystery and thriller, nonfiction, memoir, like literally every category, we are reading those books and trying to pick the best books for people so they don't have to do that themselves. And it's all based on our taste. It's not based on sales or co-op dollars from publishers. It is 100% the books that we read and are excited about. We're reading every single one of them. And, and you have to love reading to do this job because there's a lot of reading and I love it. I just, I would read all day if I could. And so then we do best books of the year so far in June. And that's books from, we start January to June. We look at those six months. What's the best book so far? The best book of the year so far was The Girl with the Louding Voice by Abby Darre. She's amazing. I got to interview her in June. And it just is such a great book and really an uplifting book too, which I felt like we really needed in June. And then when we look at the best books of the year, which we release every year around this time period, We look at all the books from those, you know, the first six months and then everything else. And we also ask ourselves, did we miss a book? Which we never want to miss anything. We also, sometimes when a pub date changes, we will miss a book because we've already, you know, had our top 10 list and we can't put it in. Or another case would be like the Obama book, for instance. We weren't able to read that until it came out on Tuesday. So we couldn't consider it because we already had our best books of November. So we basically are, and then we, we decide on the top 20, the old fashioned way, we basically sit around, normally we sit around a table. This year we sat around a video call and we, we argue, we fight about our favorites. This year we had some very, very passionate discussions that ended with people leaving the call angry, but we all agreed at the end on the top 10 list, which is to us the most important, then the top 20, and then we work our way up to 100. So we are, you know, you all, we all come in and we're sort of like fighting for our own favorite. Someone on the team once told me when I just joined the team, like, you can't fight for every book that you love, like (laughs) about it. And you're basically making your case to the other members of the team. And, you know, we really aim to have something for everyone too. Like they're not all fiction. They're not all nonfiction. We always have a debut book every month in our top two. So yeah, we, we take this curation really seriously because people just don't have that much time to read. And so we want to help them discover the very best books.
0: Well, I'm glad that you are reading now for February because my anthology is coming out in February.
1: <laughs> so, I, don't, I actually have it digitally. And I think that an, an advanced copy is on its way to me. And I'm so excited to read it.
0: Oh, good. Awesome. <laughs> Okay, well, let's talk about the winners, if you don't mind. Can we like go through? So you have one overall winner, but then you have the top 20 books in general. But before I go through like the whole list, I just wanted to go tell you which ones from all the categories I've had on my podcast in case people want to go back and listen. and maybe so you know, like, I don't know which ones I thought were really awesome too. But in addition to the 20 you picked per category, Good Morning Monster, The Beauty and Breaking, Wandering in Strange Lands, I should probably say the authors, Beauty and Breaking by Michelle Harper, Good Morning Monster by Katherine Gildner, Wandering in Strange Lands by Morgan Jerkins, All Because You Matter, the children's book by Tammy Charles. Black Brother, Black Brother by Jewel Parker Rhodes. I wonder if no one can remember all these while I'm like rattling them out. I'm going to publish these somewhere, but Cased by Isabel Wilkerson. I'm about to interview her. Memorial by Brian Washington, Writers and Lovers by Lily King, The Jane Austen Society by Natalie Jenner, Luster, a novel by Raven Lulani, Una Out of Order, Margarita Montimore, The Last Flight by Julie Clark, Pretty Things, Janelle Brown, Long Bright River, Liz Moore, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, Emmanuel Acho, Wine Girl, Can't Even, Beach Read, Party of Two, Dragon Hoops. Okay. So those are my category. I just had to get you those out there. reading those books and
1: I'm like, they feel like my friends. Like I wanted to jump in. Like I love the book Una Out of Order. It's one of my favorite books of the year. And I love that idea of like, no matter what you do, you sort of end up in the same place. And I feel like we saw a lot of books with that theme this year, whether it was what, Rebecca Searle, the In Five yep. Years yep. book. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's also um, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, which is another book I love that's in the top 20. Just, I love that trend. I, Sliding Doors is my favorite
0: movie. Me and, too. That's oh my hey, Oh yes. my gosh. No, I say that all the time. Best movie. Yes. And her hair, everything. Oh my gosh. Because I always think like... Is this one little tiny decision I'm making gonna affect my entire life? And that movie was what? like, yes, it will. <laughs> and also, I don't know, have you if you've interviewed Jay Shetty,
1: the author, but he oh he wrote this book, Think Like a Monk. He was amazing. I just like that book gives me chills and it it literally changed my life. And I you know, he talks about kind of trying to find the you know silver lining or the positive in things and Honestly, since I've read that book, I am always looking for the reason behind something and trying to put a positive spin on it. Whether it's something really tragic, like I know that you have kids that are sick at home right now and thinking about like, what is the good that is coming from this right now? But it's, that book has helped me a ton this year.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to find the meaning behind all of it. I actually said to my husband the other day, I was like, you know, maybe all this is happening. You losing your mom and, and your grandma and the kids all getting sick. And, you know, you know, I feel like I'm like meant to be a messenger, like to let people know. And he was like, uh, everyone on the planet knows about this. He's like, I hate to make it to you, but like, you know, anyone in the world already heard about it. So that can't be it. But who knows? Who knows why things happen? <laughs> Okay. So the top 20 that you guys picked, including the number one, I should do this backwards. Number 20, Midnight Sun by Stephanie Meyer. 19, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, as you just discussed, V.E. Schwab. Deacon King Kong by James McBride. Pretty Things by Janelle Brown. Oh, I already said that. Saigon, A Misfits Memoir of Great Books, Punk Rock, and the Fight to Fit In by Fu Tran. Una Out of Order, which we're just talking about, Luster, Raven Leilani, A Burning, Mega, Majumdar, Dear Child, Romy Houseman, Mexican Gothic, Sylvia Moreno-Garcia, Hidden Valley Road, Inside the Mind of American Family by Robert Colker, Memorial by Brian Washington, which I had on, The Girl with the Louding Voice, Abby Darre, Case, Isabel Wilkerson, 50 Words for Rain, Asha Lemmy, The Vanishing Half, Britt Bennett, I've had her on, Group by Christy Tate, her too. Blacktop, Wasteland, a novel, Essay Cosby, Migrations by Charlotte McConaughey, had her on. And I haven't read this book, and now I'm so excited to because it's your number one A Knock at Midnight, a story of hope, justice, and freedom by Brittany Barnett. Oh my gosh, tell me about this book. I don't even uh, know about this book.
1: You know, well, first before I tell you about it, I will say that last year's number one pick was Margaret Atwood's The Testaments. And that is an amazing book. It is. It was a moment in publishing, sort of like the Barack Obama book. Yes, I just compared Margaret Atwood to Barack Obama, um, <laughs> but you know, it's like a, a thing, a moment. The New York Times are writing trend pieces about it, and it definitely deserved to be number one. But it was—I don't want to say an obvious pick. This is a little less obvious. It's a book that you know you are a reader that reads a ton, and you haven't read this book, so. It makes me really happy that we picked a book that we can help people discover for the first time, I hope. This book is a memoir. It is about... Brittany Burnett is an incredible person that I'm talking to later today. I'm absolutely in awe of her. She grew up in Texas. Her mother was a drug addict. Her mother was a nurse, I should say. She was also a drug addict, and she was incarcerated when Brittany was young. And Brittany then... I think she saw, I mean, obviously she saw people that were incarcerated as people and not just as statistics. And when she was a little bit older and was studying to be a lawyer, she came upon the case of a woman named Sharonda Jones. And Sharonda reminded her so much of her own mother and her family. She was a young woman who was given a life sentence based on the war on drugs, this harsh life sentence for doing something that was not not worthy of a life sentence. It was driving drugs down the highway, essentially. And she she wasn't expecting to get the sentence. She even left her purse in the car when she went in for her final sentencing. And Brittany basically, while she's being a lawyer at a corporate firm and working in like tax law, she dedicates the rest of her life to helping these people that were served life, life sentences because of the war on drugs and the disproportionate amount of Black Americans that were given life sentences. And she changes the world. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, it is... It's a heartbreaking story, and for me, I mean, I grew up in the '80s, and when I hear the war on drugs, I think I thought like, "Yeah, we're on drugs," and now I feel ashamed when I think about what that meant for so many families and Black families in America. And you know, it was really eye-opening for me. But even for people who it's not eye-opening for, you cannot walk away from this book not being affected by it. And it's also hopeful. I mean, it's. Yes, it's incredibly sad in places, but it's a really hopeful book, and it just felt like it came at the right time. There was no other book that we read this year that we felt like really captured what was going on in the country, what we felt like we needed to learn, and what was important to read about. So it's just, I mean, I don't want to say it's a hard book to read, but at times it's its hard to read it because it's really true, and it's really sad at times. But she is, I mean... Read it because she's an amazing person and she writes about this idea of representation for children, black children. And when she was growing up, there were no models of black female lawyers. And so she, even though she thought she would become a lawyer, she kind of thought, like, well, black women don't become lawyers. And then she met her first black lawyer and basically just it changed her life. And she has changed so many lives. It's just, it's really just an amazing story. And I think too, there's You know, even for people that don't follow this, you know, prison reform or criminal reform, I think most recently, President Trump pardoned someone through Kim Kardashian. That woman is in this book. And you don't realize it until the very end, but she's someone that Britney becomes friends with through her visits to these prisons, like these are real, I don't know, for me, that was like, oh my gosh, I remember watching this on the news. So it's just, you know, it's really, it's really timely. It's really important. It's incredibly inspiring. It made me want to like, go back to my twenties and say like, what else should I be doing with my life? It's really, really remarkable. And she is just like, I'm so in awe of her.
0: Okay. I'm like, as soon as we finish this, I'm going to email her publicist to try to get her on my podcast. So thank you for that.
1: (laughs) I mean beyond doing all of this and being a lawyer, she also started all of these foundations. One of them is called the Buried Alive Project. And it's a project that we're interviewing her later today and people that watch the interview can actually donate to it. And I was looking at the website yesterday and she has these videos of people coming out of prison and seeing their families for the first time. And one of them is so recent they're actually wearing masks and whoever is filming it is filming it from inside of a car. And so, you know, that like, they can't get out because they can't get too close to the people that are coming out of the prison. And it's, I, <laughs> I, I told my son, my four-year-old mommy cried happy tears. Like I just sitting Aww. in my office, like tears streaming down my face and knowing that I was getting on a conference call in five minutes. And I was like, what's my mascara doing? But it just, it really like that idea of taking what you think of as statistics or just sort of nameless people and putting this human face on them. It's just so important.
0: Oh my gosh. Speaking of your son, by the way, I love that in your bio, you mentioned like jumping on the trampoline with your sons is like one okay. of your biggest pastimes because literally that's like my, I feel like if, if there's any hope for the muscles in my legs, it is because of that. <laughs>
1: because it is hard work. I, I know. We got the trampoline during quarantine. We were lucky enough to get one. And I remember one of our neighbors like stopping by our yard and I was jumping on the trampoline. And I was like, it was like I had done like a hit workout. I was like pouring sweat and I was so embarrassed. I was like, this is really hard work. So yeah, yes, we really bounced a yeah. lot.
0: Yeah. Anyway, just had to get that out there. So in terms of for authors out there who are like, I really want to get on this list, what can they do? Like, what are the exact criteria? Does it have to, aside, I know it has to come out in the calendar year 2020 and you all have to like it and respond to it and find it relevant and timely and everything. But what else? I mean, that's
1: really it. Okay. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, it sounds sort of unscientific, but it's really like books that we love and we want to share with people. And we all do have genres that we sort of specialize in or tend to read in, but really the the aim of the list every month. And then, I mean, I think a little less so at the end of the year, because obviously, you know, top 100 is a little different than a top 10 is that if you are someone that says, I only read mysteries and thrillers, that you could pick up this book and still find something in it and still think it's great the sort of like crossover appeal that people talk about in the industry or like genre bending. I mean, that's really, we look for that too. One of the books that we had talked about that I loved, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. I mean, she has a really hardcore fan base of fantasy fans. And this book crossed over to this kind of general reader. I'm actually not a fantasy reader. And I loved this book. It's also such a physically beautiful book. I read it on Kindle and I was like, I have to buy this book to have on my shelf. So it's a great gift. But that sort of thing, like where you can, it's just a book that you could give to anyone, someone that loves fantasy, someone that loves mysteries and thrillers, someone that loves nonfiction. I mean, it's funny because I think we were talking about A Knock at Midnight on the team and there are times that you forget that it's actually nonfiction. And it reminds me of another one of our number one picks, Educated by Tara Westover. I remember my stepmother, I recommended that to my stepmother, and she came back and she said, like, that was an amazing novel. I said, That's not a novel. (laughs) That's not fiction. That is her life. And but you forget. And I think, you know, the best books sometimes make you feel like you know, sort of disoriented, like you're not sure. Are you reading nonfiction? Are you reading fiction? And the number two pick, migrations is a novel that at times reads like it's nonfiction and not in a, you know, overly cerebral or dry way, but it's so lifelike. And and she's a videographer, filmmaker. And, you know, so she has that like just visual attention to detail, but that's another, a whole other incredible book.
0: That was, that was also a great book. I interviewed her as well. That was, that that is was
1: great. one of the hardest books to describe, I find. It is very hard to like come up with the succinct like you don't want to say it's a novel about climate change like I don't think that that hooks people and it's I mean this is a good example it's a I mean the package of the book I think is a little unassuming too it's a you know I I have it here I can hold it up I mean this doesn't maybe scream like the next huge book but it's so good
0: Know if I have it here on another shelf, oh. yes, I love the cover though. That's like my favorite col- color. I try to like get rid of my bias to blue when I yes. look at books because oh I'm God. like, I'm like, stop! You're only liking this cover because you like the color blue. So
1: <laughs> all of my boys' clothes are blue, and they're like, wow, they love blue a lot. And I'm like, yeah, they sure do love blue. Like I'm the one that buys all their clothes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so what is your go-to genre? Like I love memoir. I like I love fiction too, but memoir is like my go-to. What's yours? I, you know, I love fiction and I love,
1: I don't, I mean, I guess I would say like book club type fiction, but I love like a good family saga. Like I want to get in with these characters and I want to live with them for like 200 years. I want to (laughs) meet everyone in their family. I want to know about every issue they've had, like, you know, who's an alcoholic, who had an affair, like who said what to whom and I just like that to me is why I love reading so much. Like I just want to get out of my life and go into this other place and just like be absorbed by these characters. And it's just, you know, I love stories. I love good TV too, like a good TV story. I just watched The Queen's Gambit and that, I mean, I know that's a novel too, but like that sort of like character development and surprises, it's just like I don't know. Stories are so amazing. I was just, one of my friends just had a baby, and I gave him three books for his baby. I gave him the Going to Bed book, I gave him Giraffes Can't Dance, which I love that book so much, and I gave him Little Blue Truck. And I said, like, when your, I wrote the note, like from my children to this baby. And I said, you know, these are books when you learn to read, you'll never be lonely. And that's just sort of how I feel. Like you can never be bored and lonely when you're surrounded by all of these people and all of these
0: stories. So yes, that is. I feel like we are sharing a brain or personality or something. No, I because like some of the things you're saying, I'm like, I say that all the time. That's my favorite movie. Like, that's why I, I, I feel the same way. I even like a therapist say that to me at one point, like you will never be lonely if you have a good book and I'm like, I know that I, I've been reading my I mean, I'm sure like me, you were a bookworm as a kid, right? You just yeah. like reading is the thing that you just yeah. always go to. And
1: just, like the idea of being bored is not something I mean, I wish I were bored right now, frankly, but you know, that's not something that I've ever I don't think I've ever felt. I mean my I obsessively plan books for vacation. I mean I was even like going through my journal. It's like books to read on the long weekend. And then it's like, do I read, you know, I mean, I read workbooks and they're for pleasure too, but also like books that, like there's Conversation with Friends by Sally Rooney. I have never read that book. I love Normal People. I love that book. The show was incredible. incredible. It's not something I want to watch with like my mom or anything, but it's an incredible show. And I've never read her second book. And it's like, it's a $10 book. I should just buy it. But I keep saving it for like, I'm not sure vacation that I'm not going on. But yes, it's there's just always something to read. It's amazing.
0: Are you a Kindle person or are you more a hard copy person?
1: I'm both. I really like the convenience on reading on Kindle. And when I used to go on vacation back in the, I was going to say back in the nineties, not in the nineties, in the early aughts, when I was in my twenties, I would go on vacation and I would literally take one bag that was all books, all hardcovers too, because I worked in publishing and, you know, we sort of would like trade hardcovers with each other. And I love the convenience of going on vacation and just bringing my Kindles. And I love, I mean, I think like a lot of parents, I wake up frequently in the middle of the night and being able to read my Kindle and having the light built into it that's not, you know, the bad light is amazing. But I love the sensation of a physical book too. Like I mentioned, I love, the beauty of the Addie Larue book. I got my Obama book in the mail yesterday. That's a book that I bought in hardcover, and then I bought on Audible too because mm-hmm. I love listening to books read by mostly memoirs read by the people that wrote them. And I had such a like profound experience listening to Michelle Obama's book. I had just had my second baby, and I was taking. It was winter, and we were going on a lot of walks outside, and I just listened to that book while I was pushing him in the stroller, and. I felt like I was like absorbing her wisdom, you know, about, she seems like such an amazing mother and person. I was like, this is making me a better mother as I listen to this. So I really want to listen to his book too. And then the other night, I started Kristen Hanna's new book. I love.
0: Everything. I did too. Yeah. Oh my God, I, I, gosh! I, I, I started reading that like a week ago or something. Oh. Yeah, two weeks ago, something. Yeah. We need to talk about it. I don't. I want was to so. It I know. I was so excited when it came. <laughs> I felt like like a kid in a candy shop. I'm oh, like, nice. I cannot wait. So I
1: actually I wrote about this on our. We have a blog called the Amazon Book Review that's on Amazon, and I wrote about this on the blog that it was my weekend reading last week. I started it last Friday. And my colleague, Erin, who kind of manages the best book program and keeps us all on task, she knows how much I love Kristen Hanna. She would not let me read the book when I received it like a month or so ago because she was like, you're not caught up on your December reading yet. And I I actually listened to her. I'm such a rule follower. And I caught up on all my reading so that I could <laughs> start it. But the feeling of like, I remember on Friday nights, my older son sleeps with my husband in our playroom. They have campouts and he's a terrible sleeper. So he normally ends up in our bed and our baby sleeps through the night, thankfully. But so Friday nights are like most exciting nights for me. I get to like watch my shows and read and do whatever I want. And so Friday night, I like opened up the advanced copy. And I just had that feeling that washes over you of like the feeling of opening like the new book when it's really big and it's like a big fall book or something like that. And it's like, I feel that way about Jonathan Franzen's books. Like they're like moments and it's just so satisfying. And I was like, I'm just so happy right now. Like, but I mean, that's great. I'm very happy that all it takes to make me happy is like opening a book. But I really like, I like all formats. It really depends. Like I love listening to audiobooks when I walk I do podcasts when I drive, not driving that much these days, but you know, it sort of depends on the format. I only do cookbooks in print. I'm not a digital cookbook person. I love like style, wellness books and I usually like those in print because A, they tend to be beautiful and B, I want to be able to like reference them easily and I'm probably a more visual person that way, but I would say I probably mostly read digitally. That was a very long answer to your question.
0: (laughs) I loved it. No, I mean, by the way, if you're looking for a new, I listened to Jodi Patterson's A Bold World on audio. You should try that. It's like I did a lot of car rides back and forth. So by the time I interviewed her, I felt like I completely knew her and I think that probably creeped her out a little bit. But yeah, I love listening to memoir on Audible. And so Um, I'm just curious. So, you know, with independent bookstores sort of struggling and you're working for Amazon. There's like, obviously Amazon is amazing and everybody shops there. I mean, who doesn't buy stuff from time? I mean, how could you not? Right. But what about all the independent bookstores out there right now who are going through like a really hard time and some sort of, I would say maybe blame Amazon for like their demise. And as such a huge book lover, like I am, how do you, how do you deal with that sort of, you know, issue, I guess?
1: Well, I guess, I mean, I have two different responses. One is a story. I was at Book Expo a couple years ago, which is, for those that don't know, sort of like used to be the big American publishing conference of the year. And I was at a party at night with some of my colleagues. And I, you know, no one's wearing name tags at that point. It's like a party at night. And I went up to, or I ended up in a conversation with a bookseller from Rainy Day Books, actually, in Kansas City. And she said, "You know, like, oh, I'm so and so," and I said, "Hi, I'm Sarah Gelman from Amazon." And she kind of said, "Oh, I'm, I'm not going to talk to you." And <laughs> I said, "You know, I actually I can't believe I'm forgetting her name, but I'm not going to say it anyway." But I said, "You know, whoever," I said, "I'm Sarah Gelman. We worked together when I was at Knopf. I have helped bring Anne Rice to you." And she was like, "Oh, Sarah." So I mean, I am the same book lover I was, you know, twenty years ago but I work for a different company. What I see at Amazon is a group of people that care so much about reading. I mean, my team, especially, like we are just, again, like when I say we're passionate, like we fight like family. Like I always say that they're my dysfunctional family, my other dysfunctional family. And also, I mean, the things that people are going through now with the pandemic are just like unprecedented. I mean, feels like the only word that I can say, but independent bookstores do so much good. I mean, whether it's, you know, their staff picks and people being able to have the serendipity of like walking in and seeing a beautiful book in person and wanting to pick it up, being a place for community, a place where they can have book clubs, you know, have different kinds of meetings. I mean, it it adds, and readings, of course, like they add so much value. I think they're, they're incredibly important to support and I know, I mean, I. it's funny, I just sent emails from some of my local stores. My local store where I live right now is called Island Books. It's an awesome bookstore. I'm on Mercer Island in Washington, outside of Seattle. And then actually a former Amazon editor from this team that I'm on now, Tom Nisley, owns a, book, a bookstore in Seattle called Finney Books. And then there's one now in a neighborhood, I think it's called Madison Park Books. And I just sent their newsletters out to some people on my team because it's. I just love how... They're still, I mean, Island Books is, they're amazing. Like they have always had a program where if you order a book either online or by phone, they will deliver it to anyone on the island. So for people that are older and can't actually get to their store so easily, like they get in their car and they drive it to you. They have a box outside where you can, again, order online or call an order and they have like a no contact pickup box outside. They really, I mean, they're doing an amazing job.
0: I feel like you should do a reality show of the, your group of editors sitting around <laughs> talking about books. Serious, no like, that would be it so is, fun to watch.
1: I, I find like we're like, I think we're endlessly fascinating and, but I'm also like a total book nerd, but like we are, yeah, there's, there are book jokes. There are a lot of book jokes.
0: I mean, someone in the comments here asked like, where was Dear Edward? That was one of my best reads. Was that yeah, on there? One hundred. I okay. love that book. Maybe I missed it in the category by category when I went through one by one. Maybe I missed it. Anyway, good. I'm glad it's on there. That was really yeah. good.
1: But yeah, I really love that book. It's funny. I feel like, I don't know if you have this experience. Like I loved the present moment piece of that book mm-hmm. more than I love the like, or I'm sorry, I love the when they're on the plane part better than the part that took place like when he's growing up because it reminded me of that book, The Fall, the, is it Noah Hawley? I love that book so much. And I don't know. And sort of like that and Lost put together, but yeah. that's a great book. And that's it. I mean, this is so subjective. Like, I mean, there are books that were huge books that aren't on this list and books that people might not have heard of. It's not necessarily about name recognition. It is, it's a an imperfect, unscientific process.
0: The thing I like about books, about airplane type things or crowds, it's like why people randomly get thrown together and then all their backstories, right? Yes. I always wonder when I'm yes. in a like, trapped situation, like on a plane or yes. I don't know, somewhere, What, like, what's everybody else going through or in a spinning room even or something? Like awesome. everyone has so many stories going on. If only we knew when we saw them
1: and or, that, or could press play okay. and watch them. I mean, that book and I mean, not to bring up another TV show, Lost, like, perfect example of that, of like, you know, I think it's been a while since I read Dear Edward, but that, you know, someone is reflecting on like this woman that seems like they're not feeling well. And then you learn later that she's pregnant It's just like, yes, you have no idea what these people are going through and what their morning was like. I mean, that's a pretty important lesson to take through life right now in general. You know, you never know what the person behind you at the grocery store just experienced and, you know, they might be being nasty, but yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know.
0: My my dream is like, one day, people walk around with shirts that say, what? like, you know, like going through infertility treatments, my what? mother just died, or like, you know, having horrible stomach pain for six months. What's going on with me?" Like or just like all these things that like you wouldn't know, and nobody would tell you. But as, as soon as you saw that, you would have immediate empathy and compassion for the person. And maybe if they were online in front of you, you wouldn't be so annoyed and like rude about it.
1: you know? Well, I feel like reading sort of teaches you to look for that in people. and, you know, you're, you're getting into someone else's thoughts in a way that you can't even, you know, for people that, you know, are big TV watchers. Again, I love TV. Yeah, really, I don't know. And that's, I feel like, I don't want to say nosy. That feels like a bad thing to say. I'm a very curious person. And I want to know everyone's backstory and like all of that stuff that like you only want to talk to your therapist about. And that's one of the reasons why I love reading and why I love those big family sagas.
0: If we weren't talking so much about books, I would be trying to find out like all of your sorted past,
1: <laughs> and like your personal life. No, we're I'm getting to do that over a glass of wine. Yeah, time. we'll
0: have to do it another time. Well, I don't want to run over. I know you have a big interview coming up. Answer one more question. Do you mind? Do we're I the mind? Question? No, of course.
1: <laughs> I saw the question come in, when do you read? And that's actually something I... Oh, where is that, that I,
0: Sorry, I missed it.
1: Oh, no. It was, I just... I saw a couple questions coming in. Oh, sorry. Yes, in the chat. I was yes. an English major. And the when do you read, this is something that I love to talk about because much like the name of your podcast, I feel like people are always like, I never have time to read. And I am here to tell you that you do have time to read. I feel like I have a pretty full life. I have two little kids. I have two dogs and two cats and a job and everything. And my you know my secret is i read every night before i go to bed that's when i do all my work reading i don't unfortunately sit around during the the work day and read all day i'm at my computer and in meetings but i make it a point to read every night and i you know i can capture an hour of reading or sometimes i read for 5 minutes and then i literally fall asleep with the book waking me up when it hits my face and i don't feel guilty about the amount of time that i spend because when you say something like Oh, I can only work out for five minutes. Like you're still working out for five minutes. So just make it a habit and you'll start seeing that you can do it. And also you'll start seeing that like you will fall in love with that story and want to spend more time doing it. Like so often, people that say they don't have time to read are scrolling their phones before they go to bed. And it's like, put your phone away. Like it is a drug. It is giving you the effects of a drug, and just pick up a book, whatever it is. And then also. I mean, this sort of I the idea of like recapturing time in your day. So I know that you listen to audiobooks when you walk your dog. Like that's a perfect time. You know, I'm sort of torn between you mentioned you interviewed the author of Can't Even. I interviewed her over email and I asked her what she does to avoid burnout. And she said that she doesn't like to multitask. She likes to like singularly focus on one thing. So now I do feel a little guilty because I'll walk you know our dogs, and I'll listen to a book at the same time. I'm listening to the chiffon trenches, the Andre Liam. Oh, I
0: had him on. Right yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. that
1: is. If anyone's looking for an audiobook, I want him to read everything to me. Like his French accent, I want to meet him and just I don't know. He's I don't know what I would wear, but he, I'm going to uh, send
0: you the link because I have it on YouTube also. So I'll send oh, it to you. He's so funny. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's it um, great. Yeah, but you know, I just like I take back that walk time, and you know, I'm. I don't know, spending time with myself, exercising my dogs, exercising my body and reading. So it's just really all about that. And I also, my other sort of like easy tip, and I have so many more too, but I am a huge Goodreads reading challenge person. So i set a goal at the beginning of the year and I log every single book that I read. My sort of secrets are I only log books that I know I'm going to finish. So with my job, sometimes I start a book that I I hate this, but sometimes I don't finish them. If I don't love them, I just don't finish them. So I only put books on there that I know. Once I start reading enough that I know I'll finish it, then I will put it on currently reading and then read. And I also have a rule that I don't log parenting books or relationship books because I know that other people follow my book picks and I feel like that's private. Like you don't need to know my issues with my (laughs) children or my husband. But other than that, I log all my books there and it keeps me accountable. I mean, it's just like having any sort of goal and answering to it. And I've, uh, I have done very well this year on my reading goal, but I mean, just setting that goal and then like working towards something, it's accountability the same as anything else.
0: Do you include children's books? I don't actually, I would
1: include a young adult book that I'm reading for myself. So black brother, black brother, a book that you mentioned. I love that book. I find myself bringing that book up weirdly all the time and talking about fencing and like how there's something so poetic about, like in fencing everyone looks the same. I interviewed mm-hmm. Chelsea Clinton earlier this year and she writes about the female Muslim Olympian who is the fencing athlete and that idea that like fencing was something that she could do and still be in, you know, her the dress that she needed to wear for her beliefs, but also be athletic and, you know, be the best in her field. I just think like there's something so beautiful about that. And so that book I would record, but like when I read my kids kind of think like what they're super into right now. Oh my gosh. My, one of my sons is really into the nightmare before Christmas. I think other people are horrified by this, but we keep reading the book that is sort of, sort of the kid's version of it. And I don't love those. Because my kids, thankfully, my kids both love to read. And I think part of it is, like, they see me doing it. And so, you know, they want to model. I mean, they also, frankly, like, see me on my phone and they'll, like, pick up, you know, my phone and say, like, hello, which I think is cute but also sort of sad. But they also just pick up books and they want to read. And I'll say, like, time for dinner. And my little baby will say, hey, me reading. And I, I love
0: that. That's amazing. Yeah, my daughter last night, I was reading a book like Danny and the Dinosaur to my littler guy. And my seven-year-old daughter was like, wait, I I missed the beginning. And she like grabs it over and she's like, I'm just gonna take that and read it bye, I'm reading. And I'm like, all right, great. I'm, you know what? You stay up as long as you want, if you want to read. That's yeah. fine by me. <laughs> Just one other question. If you have two more seconds, other yeah. than bookstore newsletters, what are other ways you get books on your radar?
1: You know, I, well, Amazon is one of them. I mean, obviously through work, you know, publishers are are sharing books with us and kind of pitching us probably the same way they pitch you, Zippy. And I learn about a lot of the books that I want to read then. And then I feel like, you know, my, literally my job is then to share that wealth with other readers. But I think like everyone else, I listen to recommendations from people I trust. Actually, all three of the top three of these books are books that I read later than the rest of the team. And especially Migrations. My teammate, Al Woodworth, has, she's such a great reader. She has amazing taste. And she told us early in the year when she read this, this is my favorite book of the year. And I just feel like that's something I listen to when someone whose recommendations I trust said, and who reads, I don't even know how she reads so much, so much. And when she says, this is my favorite book of the year, I listen to that. And same thing with Blacktop Wasteland. Actually, when I started it, didn't love the first 20 pages or so. And I told my team that and they were like, you got to keep reading this. And I got to a point in this book where am I'm, I'm using literally correctly here. I literally stayed up until I finished it. I could not put it down. I was like, my heart was racing. This is, I'll oh, hold it up just so you can see the jacket, blacktop waistband. This is, people always say like, what should I bring on the plane? This is the book that you want to bring on a plane when you're in planes again. It is like, you pick it up, you open it, and then like, you'll look up and you'll be across the country. Like no time has passed, except you'll be like dripping sweat because it is so, it's like a crazy ride. And so those were all books that, I mean, there are, you know, top three of the year. They're books that I learned about because. My colleagues, whom I trust, were telling me that they thought they were amazing. So I listened to recommendations.
0: I I felt the same way about The Vanishing Half and also Writers and Lovers by Lily King. Both oh those gosh. books. I just like stayed the. You know, it got dark out, or I stayed up late at night, and I just couldn't stop. I could not stop reading. It's I love the best feeling.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love both of those books. I saw that Writers and Lovers was on your list of books to sort of help you through this through grief and. I love that book because it's, I'm trying to, it's sort of like her mother's death is there the whole time and is arguably like sort of the biggest theme in the book, yet it's talked about the least. Yep. And it just sort of shows how like something like that just like seeps into your entire life and takes it over, even if it's not what you're seeing every day. It's just, I, I just love that book.
0: Yeah. It's like grief goes with you. Like how it's like how to integrate grief into your life, not like what you do when you're sitting yeah. Dying at the very beginning. Anyway, Sarah, thank you so much for all of your time. Awesome. Please let's continue this. I could talk what? about like a thousand other books with you and I want to oh, hear it like, oh my gosh, please. So <laughs> oh, this was so fun. And thank you. Thanks for all your yeah. time. Thank you so much. This
1: was really fun.
0: Okay.
1: I can't again. Okay. okay. You too. Okay.
0: Bye. Thanks again to today's sponsor, me, <laughs> my holiday gift guide, zibbyowens.com slash gift shop please go check it out buy something for someone you love and I promise you won't regret it zibbyowens.com slash gift shop go check it out thanks for listening to this episode of moms don't have time to read books